0: DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined by Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com. Lease any handset, get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Ryan, good morning.
1: Good morning. Ready for some uh, college football coming up on a Friday. should be fun.
0: Yes, we have many questions to ask you, and I want to start with one that I'm not sure you can answer, but it's really important, and if you can't answer, it's really, we all want to know, what is the mental state of the USC football team after the overtime loss in Provo? Are they likely to come come out fired up, more difficult than ever to compete with and to beat, or... That was a major blow. They may not have recovered, and the Utes are about to double their agony.
1: Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a great question. I think when you look at uh, Washington and conference, they really bounced back from the loss to Cal and just took it to Hawaii the next week. That wasn't the kind of attitude. It wasn't like this chip on our shoulder, frustration team, you know, team that we've seen at practice this week. The players we talked to, the coaches we talked to, it was more of like kind of an upbeat, like, hey, we're, you know, Clay Hilton said, after the game, we're built for – this and it just seemed like the attitude was a little bit different I'm not I don't I'm not sensing they're going to dig deep and say this is a game we have to have we never should have lost to BYU and it's kind of a different approach I guess but they've just you know Clay Helton starts from the top trying to be more positive like hey we're going to move on to the next one Uh, I'm not sure if that's really the right way to go I think they needed to use that loss as motivation against Utah because this is going to be a much tougher Utah team than what they saw uh, in Provo against BYU
2: Yeah, I was at the game, and I went to the covering, uh, the SC portion of it, and I I totally took that, Ryan, that when Clay Hilton, from the second he sat down, it was all going to be positive, and this is a special group, and this is just a non-conference loss, no big deal, basically. We're going to fight on to coin the phrase that SC is uh, known for, and I was wondering how much of it was spin. As I watch that game, and as you watch that game, you know more about it than we do What are things that you think specifically surprised you about the way SC played and didn't get the job done?
1: Well, I think the big thing is when the offensive line for USC is, uh, you know, they patched it around a little bit, and, you know, it's probably six or seven deep, but they feel pretty good about those guys. And they played well, I think, in the first two games uh, of the season, but they just did not perform against BYU. Similar defenses when Utah played BYU – where they're dropping eight-man uh, you know, into a zone and having like a you know, Russian three guys, it just seemed to really bother uh, USC's front five. And when we saw Utah just really expand the lead in the second half of that game, USC wasn't able to do that. You know, Zach Moss would go off and they just ran the ball and pounded that front that was undermanned. And USC wasn't able to do that. And I, I think they needed to just perform better on the offensive line and be able to inflict their will. Clay Hilton said in that press conference too that they ran the ball well. They averaged 3.8 yards a a carry against a three-man front. I mean, it wasn't an overpowering, you know, powerful box. And I'm not sure what, you know, the issue there was. But to me, that was the biggest surprise. I thought this offensive line was going to be better. And they just didn't do that well in that game. When they needed to, when they stopped throwing the ball more and ran it, they had to get a better average than, you know, 3.8 yards. When they needed it, especially in overtime, uh, they just weren't able to run the football. And I think that was a big difference.
0: Have you heard much from Slovis and what his mindset is after throwing three picks?
1: Yeah, it was pretty similar to after the win. I mean, he was, he's just like an even killed kid, you know, and uh, we thought there'd be a difference in him playing on the road. And also instead of playing like an overmatched man coverage that Stanford played where the USC receivers could do what they wanted. uh, We saw those BYU linebackers kind of drop back and take away some of those intermediate routes that he really liked and, for him, I think it's a lot about the decision making. Make sure you go through the progressions because they kind of took away what the first couple guys that he was, you know, loving to throw to. But you know, the, his attitude's the same. He just wants to kind of bounce back and uh, wipe that one off and, and get on to the next one. We'll see how he plays at home. We'll see what kind of coverages that you know Utah seems to play a lot of man. Are they going to drop into zone and try to do some of the same things that BYU, BYU did to him? But you know, for an 18 year old kid, I think he's. Handling all pretty well. The really highs after Stanford and the lows after losing to BYU.
2: You look at Utah's offense, Tyler Huntley is obviously playing the best ball of his college career. He has been certainly brilliant. You can argue that the competition hasn't been better, hasn't been good enough, uh, but I still think that he has been at the top of his game. With that in mind, he's a different quarterback than when SC played them the last couple years and this year so good under center more more of a downhill running attack with Zach Moss I'm wondering about Utah's defense because I thought BYU did fairly well offensively running the ball clearly in my mind Utah is better how do you think that situation is going to play out
1: yeah for Tyler Huntley I mean he looks like a different quarterback to me. he's added like 15 pounds of muscle or something. Uh, And he's making better decisions. I don't think he's uh, running quite as much. And I think he's, you know, trying to protect his body more. And USC's really had a problem with quarterbacks who are mobile. Uh, We saw uh, Zach Wilson have a a nice long touchdown run in the game against USC. And between him and Zach Moss, uh, I'm sorry, uh, (laughs) Zach Wilson for BYU, between Zach Moss for, for Utah they're able to get on the edge and, and really make guys miss out there when they get in the space. And USC's had a hard time containing that on the outside. So I think trying to you know stop the, the, the two guys in the backfield are going to be huge for this USC defense. And the, the strengths of what we've seen from Utah seem to be lined up pretty well with the weaknesses from this USC defense. And you look at a Zach Moss who's like leading the nation in like forced break tackles, and USC's had a, you know 15 missed tackles in the, in the game against BYU. So they're going to have to tackle a lot better, certainly have to contain those guys. And I think it's going to start with try to stop the run first and make Tyler Huntley beat you down the field with his arm, which you guys know he can do. But I think they have to take away one of the biggest strengths. And unfortunately for the USC side, that's kind of been one of their weaknesses this year.
0: You're right about that portion of the game, strength versus weakness. What about strength versus strength? The USC receivers against the Utah secondary, or do you think we really don't get a showdown there because of the way the Utes zone them up with the linebackers or the way they're able to maybe pressure Slovis?
1: Yeah, I think that's got to be – USC has to utilize that. When you're going to go into a battle like this, The the strongest point of this team is their wide receivers. And they're not sure about Amon Ross St. Brown. If he's going to be able to go, that would be a a big blow. But, uh, you know, who's Jalen Johnson going to be covering? And, uh, you know, I think Keaton Slope is going to have to go back to what worked against the Stanford game. And it was mostly the passing attack with some run mixed in. And obviously, you guys know it's a really good overall secondary from Utah. But USC's wide receivers are ridiculous. You know, they're probably the best in the conference too. So I think that's where you're going to have to watch this matchup and where, Eden Slovis is going with the ball. He might have to go to a second or third read, or is he just kind of when he felt uncomfortable, would he just throw into the first guy? It Didn't matter who was there if there was a linebacker, you know, in coverage underneath that he didn't see. I think he's definitely got to make sure and go through those because you have to utilize. Tyler Vaughn's, Michael Pittman, and if I'm on Ross St. Brown's available, because those are the strength of your team. So if you're not doing that, I think you're doing your team a disservice.
2: I saw a report this week, uh, the other day about 24, seven sports saying that the firing of Helton is imminent, but that the university president doesn't want urban Meyer. I have no idea of the truthfulness of that. What's your take?
1: Yeah, that was, uh, that was from a sports by Brooks. Uh, was you know, um, article interesting that they, they, they kind of, uh, put that out there. I, it's hard to say at this point. I think you know they need to get an athletic director in. I think that's going to be a huge part of it. But Carol Fultz, its pretty clear the new president is coming in and is wanting to make a lot of changes. I mean, they, she came into the university with a lot of problems. I think you come in and look at it and go, "Wow, there's a, this is a great place, but there's a lot of bad stuff going on." So I think she's the start of the process. One, you know, forcing Lynn Swan out of there. The next step, big step, will be bringing in an athletic athletic director, and I think. The clock is ticking because you don't know. I mean, USC's got Utah and at Washington and at Notre Dame. I mean, they could be two and four after that stretch, and you want to really be ready with an athletic director as soon as you possibly can if you have to make some sort of change. So I think she knows that everything's on the clock. I don't know if anything's been decided like that definitively, but it seems like things are in motion, and uh, the, these next three games are all important for, for Clay Helton and probably the entire athletic department.
0: If they lose to the Utes, you think two and four is inevitable?
1: I mean, we saw Washington lose at home, but I still think they're they're you know that was weird lightning delayed game. I still think they're a better squad. Um, you know, I think Notre Dame's really good too. It this is a must win, I think for for Clay Hilton and USC because yeah, if you're you're staring two and four right in the face, and after five and seven, that's you know inconceivable you just can't think of something like that and to me the BYU game was key because there were certain games you just you couldn't afford to lose because you're coming off that and that's what you guys talked about when the way he was talking in the in the post-game presser is just like no I don't I don't think that would be acceptable at all you're a a team with more talent you had all those hiccups last year you couldn't afford to have any this year so right now I yeah I think it's a must win for Utah And if you lose this one it's It's hard to picture them going into the bye week not being two and three and then, you know, losing coming out of that at at, at Notre Dame going two and four. And then, you know, the fan base will be irate at that point. I just don't think there's any way Clay Helton could save his job If, if he was even still a coach after, you know, two and three going into the bye week. That might be a time where they make some kind of change, too.
2: Yeah, you speak of that fan base, and back from my experience years ago working from the Daily Breeze and the Paul Hackett time and some other times where it didn't turn well, I've seen the crowd turn on those guys during the game, after the game. If they have some struggles, how do you think the crowd will respond?
1: Well, the, the, what, what are you guys going to watch Friday night is that because the the Fox pregame show and halftime show is going to be there, uh, you have uh, you know Reggie Bush will be – back in the Coliseum, you know, covering a USC game. He hasn't done that before. He hasn't been around because the NCAA doesn't allow him to be associated with the university. Matt Leinert's there, but Urban Meyer is going to be there as well, and that's the big rumor always going around. You know, he's coached at Utah, obviously won championships at Florida and Ohio State. Are they going to start cheering for Urban if USC's down big at halftime when he's doing the halftime show? I mean, this is there could be some really crazy drama with the crowd, uh, last year, they flew a plane over the Coliseum asking for Clay to be fired. If they're losing in halftime and they got Urban Meyer in the building, like, I don't even know what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> I'm curious how many people are going to be in the building. Friday, it's 7 o'clock Mountain Time, which is 6 o'clock Pacific Time. People getting off work, trying to get through traffic to get there. Is this going to be a full house? Is it going to be two thirds full? What's it going to look like?
1: I think probably closer to two thirds full. They had uh, so the new capacity is about seventy-seven thousand. They had like a little over sixty, like sixty-two or something for Stanford. But that was there was a little bit of optimism then. That optimism I think is gone. So be, between a Friday night game and uh, you know the team losing at BYU, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it might be somewhere in the fifties, which is a shame for a matchup like this. But you know the Reggie Bush, Bush and Urban Meyer factor. Maybe more people come. Uh, you'll probably see a lot of people kind of arriving in the second quarter just coming off of work, but it's not the, the ideal situation to have a, a, a Friday night 6 p.m. game in downtown L.A. It's just uh, it doesn't work with traffic all that well.
2: Jack Sears was a quarterback who was recruited by Utah. I watched him play in the ASU game last year. I thought he looked pretty good, and now he's in the transfer portal, and I believe he's scheduled to graduate here in December. you have any idea what his plans are?
1: No, you know, it's a, it's a shame because he's, a, I thought he was a really talented quarterback. They they named him like the number four on, you know, number four in the depth chart. And I think he was really insulted by that. A lot of the fan base wanted to see him come out and because he played well at the Arizona State game, um, you know, to come out and actually compete for the starting spot. And for him to finish fourth, it left a lot of people kind of scratching their heads. So we haven't heard he's definitely going to graduate. Uh, I think he's only taken a class or two right now. So he's. He's just kind of working out on his own, and we haven't heard where he's going to end up yet. But it could be somewhere, uh, you know. Who knows? In the in the Pac-12, and the USC might see him on the schedule again. Have you got a uh,
0: a feeling for anybody else in the conference after watching them play a, a few games here? I mean, some of the teams still haven't been tested. Washington State uh, battled with Houston for a little while, but won the game, and their their other games <laughs> been pretty straightforward. So, you got any takeaways yeah. <laughs> on, on the top of the conference?
1: Any different than you did a month ago? Yeah, I mean, I think, I you know, Washington State, I feel a little bit better about. You just weren't sure. You're like, oh, could it be the next Gardner It's Like, you, okay, they're fine. Usually they're going to be fine at quarterback. You know, Cal going 3-0 and again for the the third time. They have a little bit more offense this year, so maybe there's a chance. And they do have that big win uh, over Washington. Oregon, I, I mean – the way they came back and played against Nevada—that's another team that just took out their frustrations losing to Auburn. Uh, I'm still waiting to see. I, I kind of still feel like Washington's going to be the winner of the of the North, and you know in the South it's kind of the way you thought ASU maybe didn't expect to be three uh, and but they're going to be all these NFL type of games the whole time. And they're, I think Herm Edwards like five and one in games that have been decided by three points or less, and that, that's not going to be able to continue. But you know, kudos to them because they've been able to win those really close ones. So it's just still. You know, Utah is still the the winner for me in the South. Um, USC has the most talent, but I just think Utah's got the edge. So in the North, it's a little, you know, more interesting, I think, than it was before. Could it be this year, the Washington State year, where they finally get over the hump and win the Apple Cup? Until they do that, it's hard to pick them. But I'm still going to go with Washington in the North right now.
0: Well, Ryan, once again, we appreciate a few minutes. I mean, we're getting to the point where we might need to put your name on the show. You're on so often. Thanks for coming on again. (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys.